Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Problem with Authority podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Kelly, and today we are going to dive into the topic of problems with medical racism. So a few months back for my women's issues class, I read the book, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. And for those of you interested in medicine or just interested to learn more about the history of medical racism in general, and don't get me wrong, medical racism still occurs to this day, but this is a really great book that dives into the history of it and specifically through the story of Henrietta Lacks. And I'm just going to read the little little section under the title here on the book. It says, doctors took her cells without asking. Those cells never died. They launched a medical revolution in a multi-million dollar industry. And more than 20 years later, her children found out their lives would never be the same. And this is by the author, Rebecca Skloot. She was, I think, a reporter and went in and just tackled this story, uh, interviewed family members, and tried to help family members of Henrietta's get the truth about what happened with her and her cells. And Rebecca is a white woman, so that was addressed in the book on how, you know, the family didn't trust her. Like, why should they? Because they had been approached multiple times before for interviews and different things like that. And the family members were like, well, you know, I don't see any money. Like, you know, they were like, we need to sue. Uh, People would try and come after the family and scam them. And the, the sad thing of it all was that the family really didn't understand the impact that her cells had. So like there was a misconception with, um, Henrietta's daughter that where she thought that her mom was still alive in a sense. And she thought that, you know, the experiments and stuff that they were doing with the cells was hurting her mom. And it caused, this caused so much stress and anxiety and and health problems for the family because of the turmoil that they went through with this story. And it, it's very interesting, but really sad. And I think that white people in specifically would really benefit reading this novel just to gain some more insight, you know, on the privilege they have, especially when it comes to being treated medically and the rights that they have um, compared to people of color. So let's dive right in. I did, when I read this book, we had to do two book critiques on it and then a PowerPoint presentation Uh, in a group. So I'm going to read my part of the presentation to you all. And I know that I've been so bad with uploading episodes to this podcast. I'm still here. I still, I still love this podcast and I still want to do it. I'm just in a, a huge kind of life transition, I guess, right now. I'm in my final internship before I graduate with my MSW. I am working and interning And there has just been a lot that has gone on. And I think for me, you know, making that transition from full-time student to full-time like worker slash intern when I still kind of have student responsibilities of, you know, like I have a capstone I have to write and different things like that. It's kind of hard to balance it all. And I definitely felt overwhelmed because I didn't really get a break from the end of spring semester to the start of my internship in May. And I think my weekends, I just really needed to rest and I needed to 
have fun and I needed to party so that I can recharge my myself for the following week and give, you know, all that I could to my clients and, you know, the people that I interact with. So I'm back. Things have calmed down a little bit and I'm still in love with podcasting. I just, I still want to use it as a way to hold myself accountable to continuing to educate myself. I am reading the book Ace right now, which I'm really excited to do an episode on. It is about asexuality and, you know, the difference between sexual desire and attraction and how, you know, society is obsessed with sex and how that can hurt a lot of us. And it's really amazing. I have so many highlighted sections and notes for that one. So that'll probably be coming out soon. Uh, But yeah, let's just jump right into it. And so my section when I did this PowerPoint presentation was on medical racism and the patriarchy and how they definitely overlapped during this time period. I gave you a little background on Henrietta. So Henrietta Lacks uh, was a young woman who had cervical cancer and her cells literally changed literally changed it it was a medical revolution that's not that's not being dramatic at all so an example of medical racism can be seen in the history of cervical cancer in general and how this form of cancer was treated and this is what henrietta had and a fun little fact is that pap smears were invented by men you know to help detect this type of cancer early on, but regardless, because of the lack of knowledge, a lot of women of color were either getting unnecessary hysterectomies or being treated for the cancer with literal poison called radium. Now, this poison killed women and people that came into contact with the substance, and in a lot of cases, it caused cancer or if the uh, women were already, you know, dying of the cancer, it sped up that process for them. This is what happened to Henrietta. And as mentioned previously, the researchers stole from her without consent, stole her cells, and many profited off of what belonged to her and her family. So I'm going to switch to my, you know, critique notes here for a second, just to give you a little bit more background on Henrietta and the whole... Thing about them stealing her cells. So she grew up in Clover, Virginia. Uh, her family farmed tobacco fields and uh, she lived most of her life with her grandfather and her cousin Day, which she married and had children with. And it was interesting reading this book, how learning how prevalent incest was during this time. I was not aware of that. I didn't think that that, I don't know, I just didn't think that that was something that was that common. But even now, in a lot of rural counties that I work in, incest is still a pretty big thing. So, not sure why, but it is. So, um, her local doctor sent her to Johns Hopkins, Um, after her lump came back negative for syphilis. So at this time, Hopkins was the only major hospital that treated black patients. 
And because of medical neglect and racism, when she gave birth, she, she was also pregnant, gave birth months earlier, no one detected that she had this lump. And then three months later, it was a full-fledged tumor. So she was like pregnant at the time this lump showed up. Every, nobody cared. Nobody decided to check or, you know, do anything about it. And then later it was a, it was a tumor. And so at Johns Hopkins, you have these doctors and researchers. Uh, one is named Dr. T. Linde, probably not pronouncing that right, and Dr. Gay, who they would go through whatever unethical lengths possible to become famous trailblazers within their field. Um, definitely racist, definitely hate women, all of the above, right? So Henrietta ended up getting her tumor procedure to treat the cancer at the same hospital that these men were carrying out experiments. And both men were collecting samples of cervix tissues of women who had tumors without their consent. And so this was happening to all of the women that were in that hospital. And in chapter four, we learn how the stolen cells named HeLa, which are Henrietta cells, grew unlike the other cells the doctors collected. So part of the recipe needed to incubate the cells included umbilical cord blood, which they would also steal from women in the hospital without their consent. So that's just a little bit of a background of, you know, why her cells were stolen, what was going on, uh, how these doctors are terrible, terrible, terrible people, and how... And, and nobody really, there was never an explanation as to why her cells were the ones that replicated and just kept growing and growing and growing. And I can't even explain to you in words the magnitude of, of what her cells did. Like they were transported everywhere. They were used in so many different experiments and they just, there was no credit to Henrietta. She wasn't, she, she was not viewed as a person at all. That is the background. So let's move on to, or back to like the presentation and, you know, focus on the medical racism. In a lot of cases, I was talking about the radium of them using that to treat the cervical cancer for women. And this ha- this is what happened to Henri- Henrietta. So she was treated with ra- radium. And as mentioned previously, the researchers stole from her without consent and many profited, profited off of what belonged to her and her family. So I talked a little bit about Johns Hopkins. So here's a little background on that. Hopkins was where Henrietta was treated. And at this time, Hopkins was the only major hospital that treated black patients, which is crucial for this time period as it was the era of Jim Crow. And white only hospitals would not accept black patients and would often let them like die in the parking lot. So even if they showed up, they wouldn't help them at all. However, this made the hospital a target for medical racism and unethical treatment. It's not like they had black doctors in there treating black patients. It was white doctors doing all types of messed up stuff. And Henrietta explained, because she kept kept a lot of journals, 
And uh, there was also, which is interesting, like the importance, I'm, I'm in social work, like the importance of documentation, right? And it, also how that overlaps with the importance of medical documentation. Because she reported that she was not okay and the doctors would not believe her. And like I said before, medical racism is still alive. It still happens. And this is one of the biggest things that I hear, uh, especially... Uh, black women talk about when it comes to getting their medical needs met. They're telling doctors, I'm not okay. I'm in pain and doctors don't believe them. So that's what happened to Henrietta. The doctors would not believe her. So because of medical neglect and racism, you know, like I said, when she gave birth, no one detected that she had the lump and then it was a tumor. So Henrietta had to go as far as giving herself a cervix, cervix exam in her bathtub to locate the tumor because she knew she could trust herself better than a doctor. When I read that part, that that really hit me because I was like, wow. Like, wow. Like, she really, she really, she really did that because she couldn't, she can't trust the doctors. And I will never, I will never know what that feels like to feel that. I have to take my medical worries into my own, own hands because I can't trust a doctor. When we read about Henrietta's medical history, we learn how she, you know, had a lot of concerns regarding her health, but Henrietta explained that the doctors would speak to her in terms she did not understand and how black patients only went to Hopkins when they thought they had no other choice. So this, this hospital, you know, treated black patients, but it's not like, you know, obviously, like I said, like there's still white doctors in there. So unless they thought it was life or death, like they weren't going in there. Now, I did a little bit of background research more into like medical racism, and I found this book by Harrietta Washington. I have not read this book, but I read an article on it and what she dives into, and I think it gives other, you know, prominent examples of medical racism uh, kind of around this time period. So she recounts the history of medical racism from the Tuskegee study, where numerous experiments occurred on Black Americans in slavery performed by white doctors and researchers. The Henrietta book only accounts for like a few examples of medical racism, but this book dives into the career of James Marion Sims, who is the father of American gynecology, who purchased numerous females who were in slavery to experiment on at his plantation clinic in Alabama. And these experiments on these women, black women, women of color, eventually led to medical benefits for white women. And, you know, just from a feminist perspective and like intersectionality, just, I just, wow, like I don't, I don't have words. Like that one really hits me too. Like these the experiments on these black women eventually led to medical benefits for white women. Like, just take that in, listeners. Just take that in. Take in, just take that in. All right. Another example was Columbia University's 1992 study to try and establish a link between genetics and violence. Um, And in order to do this study, they obtained subjects who were either Black or Hispanic, and the researchers approached parents of children between the ages of 6 and 10 who had older older brothers in the state's probation system. So right there, I mean, honestly, where we were when we started with, you know, 
a link between genetics and violence, you know that, you know, this wasn't, this wasn't going to be going to a very, very ethical place. And the parents were told that their sons were going to undergo a safe test to discover if they might have any medical problems, which was not true. The children were instead subjected to doses of the drug excuse me, I'm going to say this wrong, my my medical professionals out there, a finfluramine, finfluramine, which is a component of a drug that has been banned. Um, so that's another example of what researchers and doctors would do. Even today, you know, it's still kind of like the whole, you know, as long as we're doing things ethically, you know, IRB approved, whatever, it's fine. But still, when it comes to that cultural competency part of things, or really listening to the people, to the, to the like research participants, I still feel that a lot of the times their needs and concerns are neglected. It's not to this level, obviously, but I don't feel that we're fully there yet. That's just my opinion. Okay, so now we're going to talk, we're going to go into the whole thing about informed consent. So the topic of informed consent is huge in this book because of just the unethical and illegal, well, I mean, it wasn't illegal at the time, but definitely illegal now, things that researchers and doctors would do. They would experiment on people, they would take things from them, they would leave them to die all of the above. So, the beginning of medical researchers getting informed consent started with research conducted by Chester Southam and Emmanuel Mandel, where they injected participants with HeLa cancer cells, which were Henrietta cells, without their knowledge in order to study if slash how cancer developed in sick and healthy patients. And the NIH got involved and started demanding that researchers get informed consent, because that's fucked up. You can't just do that. To no surprise, researchers were mad. And this isn't, this is happening in America. This is happening in America right now, okay? And the researchers were mad and they started crying, you know, about how they were quote unquote different than the Nazis who experimented on Jewish people. And that situation is what sparked the creation of the numeric code, a 10 point code of ethics that governs all human experimentation worldwide. Now, this code at the time was not a law. So humans were still left unprotected. So I feel like that's a, re- a thing that I see often here, especially because we learned a lot growing up about the Holocaust and what th- the terrible things that the Nazis did to Jewish people. And I definitely think that that needs to be, you know, everybody needs to be ma- made aware of that. We need to know that history. But I just think it's interesting that in education because right now there's a lot of things on the news talking about how um all the all the dumbasses that run shit said that you know critical race theory is not allowed to be taught in schools and so that just i think perpetuates that whole thing of like american school system being like hey look what those people did over there in a different country and completely neglecting all of the terrible and very similar things that have been done in this country over here. And that's not okay. People need to be fully educated and informed because then you're just perpetuating, you know, white supremacy and 
and all of that. But I think that's a really good example of, that's a really good example of, I guess, the way that America manipulates, manipulates and wants to continue to perpetuate white supremacy. Okay. So now we're moving into the patriarchy. And the patriarchy plays a huge part in this time period because men were the ones controlling science, medicine, and research. And I put in here and essentially women's bodies because that is true. Women still did not have a lot of rights at this time, even white women, even though they definitely had more than women of color. Um, but men were calling all the shots, which is honestly like when I heard when I heard that like men created the pap smear, I just, I, was it out of the kindness of their heart? Probably not. They just wanted credit for being, you know, smart or whatever. But I also think too, like I had, um, you know, my gynecology appointment last week, this might be TMI, but I was just thinking like with my sister, I was like, do men have to go through like a similar procedure as a pap smear to make sure that they don't get cancer in their area? Like, why, why do we do this? Like, why do, why is, why is our health just so concerning for everybody? Like, I know it's good that, you know, people care about our health, but it didn't really come from a, a very, you know, feminist, we love women place. So I always, I always just think about that. Like, hmm, like, because every day, you know, we wake up as women and our rights are being debated in the news you know, and it's just, like, back the fuck off, you know, you know, oh, it's exhausting, this world, this world is exhausting, and then also, too, all of our trans women out there having to wake up and, and see that people are banning them from playing sports, disgusting, like, just to wake up every day and see that your rights as a human are up for debate, is is exhausting and you know anybody that's listening that's really struggling with that just know that all your feelings are valid and just take a fucking break put down the phone it's not fair it's not right but I can just all I can say is like I'm sorry that's literally all all I can say right now but there are people that are trying to you know get that get that shit to stop. All right. All right. I'm a little off track. Okay. So one of the biggest things in the book that you saw with the scientists and the researchers was that they would lie to the press and the media about how they treated Henrietta and that she gave informed consent when she did not. So media plays such a huge role in everything. And I think that was my, one of my favorite parts about this book was just watching how the media manipulated everything. And we see it to this day. We have people walking around believing dumb shit because of the media. And, and honestly, like my parents, like she'll, like my mom will come to me and say, oh, like, did you hear this? And I'm like, that's not true. Like, don't believe that. And I have to sit here and like put out fires everywhere because I'm like, no, like, where did you get that? And it, media is literally used to manipulate. It can be used to be great. But I wish there was more education around, you know, consuming media. Just, like, how to consume media. 
how to, you know, check your sources and different things like that. But I mean, that sucks because like not everybody has, you know, the ability or access to do that or time for that matter. But that'd be a really interesting discussion or class or something like that, right? But anyway, so yeah, they were, they were liars, of course, no surprise there. And the male doctors would experiment and take samples from women of color and poor women to help white women. Um, yeah, that's what they would do. The doctors would lie on women patient medical records about how the women were feeling and what they reported. So if a woman said, hey, I don't feel good. I think something's wrong. Doctors would lie and be like, patient says she's great. No. And women during this time were also more likely to be sent to psychiatric hospitals where a whole other set of unethical things took place, such as experimentation, assault, rape, and abuse. And I mean, I I do not doubt that those things, you know, happened in the medical world, but I do know for a fact that that has happened in psychiatric hospitals. And um, we talked about that in the problem with women in prison episode, how um, they were more likely to be sent to psychiatric hospitals and not be seen as humans and then also sexualize that. Very, very interesting. And unfortunately, so Henrietta did have a daughter named Elsie and I think she um, had some type of disability or special need and she was, you know, they didn't at the time they were very you know discriminatory against people that had disabilities and she was sent to a psychiatric hospital and in the book it talks about later on it talks about um Elsie's story because Henrietta's uh other daughter Deborah um wanted to know like what happened to her because nobody would talk about Elsie and nobody would talk about her mom Henrietta and it it it's likely that she experienced those things after being able to get access from the psychiatric hospital's medical records um so so many people in their family experienced just horrendous and unethical you know treatment you know not only because they are black but also because they were women And even within the family, the things with the incest and the assault that they would experience from their own uh, cousins and siblings was, was, was hard to read at times. But I definitely recommend this book for anybody that is looking to learn more about this topic. Um, And I think, I think that's it. This doesn't even cover half of it. Um there's so many little parts in this book that are are so informative and I encourage you all to read so that is it thank you all for listening to this episode I will try to get better with posting um but like I said I'm in a weird place right now and it is what it is like it's it's that post I mean COVID is still happening obviously but everything's opening up and life life is shifting again And I feel like in the pandemic, because I couldn't go anywhere, this was such an amazing outlet for me. It's still an amazing outlet, but it it just, it felt different. I don't know. It it felt a little different. 
And now I think on my weekends that I have more time to go see people and do things that I love. Um, I like, I, I'm not taking, I don't want to take that for granted anymore, getting out of my house and socializing. So I'm trying to, again, find that balance uh, between that and podcasting. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening and I will see you next time.